Today we're going to talk about uh, the legislature. Always one of our favorite topics because it's thrilling and exciting to watch them at work. How terrifying. At any rate, we are uh, really pleased to have Devin Graham with us today. And uh, she is the Assistant State Director. And uh, fortuitously, she lives in Tallahassee. Very adjacent. Uh, Devin was raised uh, just outside of Pittsburgh in an evangelical Christian household, the, gra the grasp of which is only recently 2016. She still maintains a slight Yinzer accent. And I'm not sure what that is, but we'll find out. Uh, with a PhD in toxicology, works right in with the legislature. From the University of Maryland, she is currently a faculty member at a nearby unnamed university, hmm. researching the development and treatment of neuropsychiatric disorders. When she's not playing with her mice and begging for grant funding, she is busy raising her two children to be functioning, free-thinking members of society. And so I'm looking forward greatly, as I know we all are, to hearing her comments. And uh, Devin, it's up to you. All right, thank you, Jim. Thank you everyone for coming out today. Um, I am gonna try not to break out my Yinzer accent at all because it's really bad. Um, <laughs> if anyone has ever heard of Pittsburgh, a Pittsburgh talk, it's just not, it's just not pretty. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna actually just start my slideshow here. I'm gonna share, where am I at? Here we go. Um, I, and so when I do this, I'm probably not gonna be able to monitor the chat or anything. I wanna keep this really super casual. So if you have questions, seriously, just, um, I won't be able to see the chat probably. So just feel free to just jump in or I don't know if uh, Judy or Jim are gonna monitor that. It's totally fine. So can everyone see my screen there? So, yes. Uh, okay. So um, I'm going to talk a little bit today about the, a lot of it actually entirely, about, I'm going to talk today about the um, 2021 Florida legislative session, which we are about to enter this year. Um, so as Jim said, I'm Devin Graham. I am um, the Assistant State Director with American Atheists here in Tallahassee. I am the current president of our um, of our local humanist group, the Humanists of Tallahassee, or HOT. Um, so, yeah, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna start with that. Okay, Jim already actually did my my background, but I'm just gonna go quickly into this. I was raised in a really small town outside of um, Pittsburgh. We like to call it the uh, honorary twelfth state of the Confederacy because it was very extremely backwards. Um, even though it was north of the Mason-Dixon line. Um, I didn't uh, go very far for college. I went to Allegheny College up in northwestern Pennsylvania, got a degree in biology, and then I fled to Baltimore, um, where I worked as a lab tech at the University of Maryland um, med school campus in Baltimore. Um, I then transferred into the PhD program um, in toxicology. I did my research at the National Institute on Drug Abuse, which is part of the NIH. Um, and I got my PhD working with methamphetamine neurotoxicity, uh, did a brief stint at the EPA before going to Cincinnati, um, which is very, very Pittsburghy. Um, and I got a postdoc there at Cincinnati Children's, again, 
working with drugs of abuse and environmental toxins, but specifically in regards to development, development, so how things in utero can affect long-term function. Uh, I then did a second postdoc at Vanderbilt, um, again, building on those, those topics and then moving more into other neuro neuropsychiatric disorders like uh, anxiety and depression before moving um, to, well, I should, I'm not supposed to say where I, um, before moving to Tallahassee, it was exactly six years ago today that I'm a big day, at least according to Facebook, it was the six year anniversary. So um, yeah, so I have a, a lab here at the College of Medicine, um, again, so working with developmental uh, toxicity, um, particularly in regards to behavior, but also treatments for uh, neuropsychiatric neuropsychiatric disorders. And I need to say that I am a, a state employee and what I'm saying here is not representative of my employer, the state of Florida, or anyone but me. Um, so I wanna talk a little bit about the Florida legislature. As So I, as I just said, I have a scientific background. I do not have any legal background. I do not have um, a, a background in government or politics, nothing. So this was something I never, other than maybe like growing up and listening to my parents listen to Rush Limbaugh and like other right-wing nut jobs, that's the extent of my political activism. So getting, learning about the Florida legislative process was a real experience for me. As Jim said, I deconverted after I had moved to Florida about in 2016, give or take. Um, and I started, I was just really, you know, Trump was elected. I, I felt really, uh, I don't know, unable to like, I, it was, I just felt really impotent. Like I couldn't do anything. Everything felt like it was just falling apart around me. And so Jim Helton from American Atheist, he was the, he was the national field director at the time, was coming through Florida and was um, recruiting people to work with American Atheist. And I just thought I'd just go to his talk and see what happened, see what would happen. And um, I became assistant state director in 2019. So it's been about two years I've been doing this now. Um, and I figured I would just I have a, like I used to do a lot of community service. And I thought that would be my focus as community service, but um, some really bad bills were coming through in. Um, oh my! I can't suddenly can't. Oh, there we go. Um, in 2020, and I figured like I might as well just try and see what it's like to uh, speak in front of the legislature. Why not? You know, try try everything once. And so last legislative session, there was a, um, a couple bills actually, but this one was specifically about to amend the statute, which is Florida statute 1003.45. That number will be forever ingrained in my mind. The statute's titled permitting the study of the Bible and religion, permitting a brief meditation period. Um, Dennis Baxley and Kim Daniels, who we all know is the um, former rep out of Jacksonville. She was the exorcist the demon exorcist, um, uh, she, uh, they, they introduced a, a bill requiring the moment of silence in public schools. So instead of just, it's already permitted if a child wants to take one to two minutes in the morning at a public school to just collect themselves, it's totally fine. But this would be a requirement for everyone. And the bill was written in such a way that um, there really were no guidelines. And given the, um, the fact that this is Florida and we do tend to lean conservatively, it would not be at all surprising if a teacher pushed for a child to go towards the more Christian uh, prayer or like kind of, you know, uh, 
influence the children to do this. This is something that happened actually in West Virginia uh, a couple years back where this, this was a, an option and there was a secular child and she was thrown into a closet pretty much and not allowed out and was harassed by students because she didn't want to participate in the prayer or the, or the meditation. And so this is me testifying. I, I, I did it a few times and I, I kind of got the bug. I, I just really fell in love with doing this. So this is kind of, this is my jam now. I, I, I love legislative activism. Um, as you can see, D Dennis Backsley is here in the bottom right-hand corner. He was never happy when I testified. Lori Berman, who is a, uh, a secular saint, is right beside him. And she, I, I love her. She is a, a huge proponent of church-state separation and she supported supported like things that we would uh, ask for. So I, I, I really appreciate her support on that. Um, okay, so a friend of mine, I, this, I, I must admit that this, the Atheist of Florida is probably one of the more um, politically active um, groups that I've spoken to. So you probably know a lot of this stuff, but I, I, I do want to go over a little bit of background legislative process. You are free to stop me and just tell me to move on. Um, and I'm fine with that. But uh, a friend of mine who's a, a lobbyist, a policy director said very, uh, very rightly so that Florida legislative process is like a brick wall. You're not supposed to get, you're not supposed to move beyond it. Like once you learn something, you're going to hit a brick wall and they don't want you to know what else you need to do after that to figure it out. It's very difficult for anyone that's not in the process to, to, to get it, I guess. Um, and even those people that are in it, uh, they, they are not, um, they, they still are like surprised every year. Like I didn't know we could do this. This is brand new to me. So that's why I kind of, I just want to briefly go over the process here. Um, okay. So we, we swear in our legislators, legislators in November, uh, and then we have a, we have a 60 day session in Florida, even though it, actually is kind of a lot longer than that. This year, because it's an odd year, we'll be meeting the, they start on the first Tuesday, the first Monday. So March 2nd is our first day of legislative session. So it's coming up. Uh, in even years, it starts in January. Um, they are 60 days and 60 days only, unless there's a special session or the budget hasn't been approved. Um, bills can be filed prior to election day, if you're a senator and you're not up for re-election. Um, but all bills must be filed by the first day. So as of March 1st, March 2nd, all your bills must be filed. And this is going to be important considering that it's just the end of January right now. So we still have a lot of time. Um, if a lot of groups are always interested in filing bills like medical aid and dying or something, something along those lines, uh, you can't do that. So this is Florida is one of the states where citizens are not allowed to file bills, but your representatives can. So this is why it's really important to get to know your local reps and build a relationship with them. Uh, bills are, once they're filed, they go through multiple committees, usually at least three. What committees they're assigned to is up to leadership, which in this case is the, is the, is the Republican side on both houses and both chambers. Uh, so there are exceptions. High priority bills may only have to go to one committee. If you are really hated by leadership or you have a really unpopular bill, you may have to, and for a bill to become a law, uh, it has to pass both the house. So um, this is, so if everyone's really excited for March 2nd here in Tallahassee, cause it's like, that's when, every, that's when all the excitement happens. 
but honestly, most of the work is already done by the time session starts because we have committee weeks. And this has been a little bit messed up this year because of COVID. Uh, usually there are six week-long sessions that start not long after inauguration or swearing in in November up until the first day of session. And committees will meet during this time. So they'll discuss bills that have been filed already. They kind of scope out the people scope out the political landscape and they vote on these bills. So committees are voting on these bills. I'm actually going next week for the, what is the third committee week? We just finished the second one. We are th starting the third committee week next week. And I'm actually gonna be testifying on a bill already before session even starts. So committee weeks are just like the real session. The only ish difference is that the, the full bodies can't meet. So the Senate can't meet in chambers and the House can't meet in chambers. They have, the committees are. So it's really important that people understand that, that the, 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 it doesn't, the, the session doesn't start on the first day of session. It starts weeks and months. Um, so what can we expect? Uh, we, we were very fortunate. I, I, I'm going to admit my biases here. I am very progressive and left, <laughs> left leaning. Um, we had, we were very fortunate from a national level that we had, um, we got rid of Trump, you could say, and we, we had, we saw a lot of, uh, grounds. We saw a lot of, uh, change happen in the makeup of the house and the Senate. Um, on Florida, that was quite the opposite. We had some, we lost a lot of really progressive, um, pro separation of church and state. Uh, advocates this past year in the legislature, including um, Jose Javier Rodriguez out of Miami. Um, that election scandal is really read about. It's like the, they had the false candidates running against them. I get, I, it's still, it's still, I'm still a little hazy on it. We lost a lot of um, other ones too from other, other places in the floor, like Jennifer Webb and Cindy Polo. So we, we actually lost a lot of ground in Florida when it comes to state, church state separation advocacy um, and, and uh, more, more progressive type causes. So we, have, we are absolutely on the defense this year, which we expect in Florida, but it's even more so. So while the Senate's a little more evenly divided between um, uh, Dems and Republicans, although there are way more Republicans, the House is much more, uh, more biased. Okay, so the 2021 legislative session. So things that we were kind of predicting that would come through and we're beginning to see um, a lot of this come to fruition is a lot of backlash from the Supreme Court decisions that happened earlier this year. So uh, Espinosa, uh, let's, let's talk about Bostock. So Bostock was one of those decisions that went through the Supreme Court and that was um, allowed, uh, in um, employment circles, in, in the realm of employment, uh, gender and gender, gender identity became protected classes, which is really great. So what we were kind of expecting is to see a lot of uh, backlash and religious exemptions coming through um, to, so that people, that businesses would not have to uh, recognize the uh, LGBTQ um, folks as a protected class. Um, What's one thing that's not, so we did see Espinoza was another one that was a really sad loss for us. Uh, so it was pretty much uh, public funding, taxpayer funding can go more towards private schools, religious schools. Um, and that's, Florida is very bizarre when it comes to education, I've, I've learned. We, there has, there's been a, a history of, um, of taxpayer funding going to charter schools and religious schools and 
that wasn't, I don't think Espinosa is going to change much in Florida, except for making the politicians bullish about it. But um, along those same lines, we know that it, every year we see a ton of bills that are all about protection of the children. And a lot of these bills are actually just trying to protect kids from everything and everyone that's not their parents, I guess, or not their God. So I'm gonna go into a, a lot of these today. So, um, so education is always something that's going to be big in Florida, bills that target education and uh, the desecration of public, public schools. Sorry, my, my dog's here in the background. Um, there's gonna be a lot of attacks on LGBTQ, specifically trans kids. Um, parental rights is another thing that sounds really great in theory, but it's actually quite bad. And I'll go into that a little bit more. This is something that went through last year and was really close to passing, but this year it's, it's probably going to pass. Um, so I'm gonna cover kind of three categories of bills that I put together. Um, and I'm going to categorize them as good or bad. As, as was mentioned earlier, I'm from Pittsburgh. And so if they're bad, they're gonna get the Mr. Yuck sticker, which was invented by my pediatrician, Dr. Moriarty, actually. So it's a Pittsburgh thing. If they're bad, they have the Mr. Yuck sticker. If they're good, they're gonna get the Eaton Park uh, smiley face cookie sticker. So three categories of bills that we'd, I'm gonna review. And so the first one are just outright violations of the separation of church and state. We actually don't see that many of these. Um, people are, the politicians are much more uh, sly, I guess, in, in covering these up. But there, there are some, so some of these have already been put through in the years past. So these are actually all very bad. There's, uh, I'm not gonna read the numbers and I'm gonna actually make a list, uh, a power, like not PowerPoint, sorry, a spreadsheet that when I, my schedule is really hectic the past couple of weeks. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna put something together and I can send these to you. So there's no need to like write these down or memorize them or anything. Um, so in both the House, the Senate, and um, just this past week, the House, they put in through the moment of silence bill, which was what I was um, advocating against last year. So this would require moment of silence to occur. And um, I've kind of talked about why it's bad. It takes away from educational time. I think it's someone calculated it's like two days of just by having a, a mandatory moment of silence, which is not necessary because children are already allowed to do that if they so choose. Um, there's another set of bills, both in the House and the Senate. Remember, they have to be passed by both chambers in order to become a law. And this is, involves um, guns and religious institutions. This, they almost got this through last year, I believe. But I'm not really sure why they do this, but it's, it's for people who have a uh, concealed carry with, uh, license to be able to carry their guns into church, because that's where they need most protecting. Um, it's just bizarre, but we are monitoring that. Um, and there's also this set of bills, which is, uh, which is very pertinent to our, our pandemic time here. It's discussing, it's about the civil liability for damages related to COVID. And what you're going to see is politicians pushing this as we're trying to protect small businesses from uh, being liable from these egregious lawsuits. So a, a mom and pop store has, a, has, a, has an employee who caught COVID on the job. They don't want that mom and pop store to go into uh, bankruptcy or, you know, have to shut down their business because they have this lawsuit on their hands. But it's being framed in that sense, but it's also protecting large businesses like Publix and Hobby Lobby and some places that 
I guess Publix did a decent job for the kind of, I think, but a lot of places did not, they chose not to protect their employees and now they would not be liable for their employees catching COVID on the job and they didn't give those employees the special PPE that they needed or take precautions. One interesting caveat is this, is they're including religious institutions within this um, bill. And if we've, if we learned anything in 2020 is that to, like some of the biggest uh, COVID super spreader site uh, instances were um, Supreme Court justice nomination parties and churches, church services. So most places that did have COVID um, restrictions always had a religious exemption. And so churches were allowed to have indoor services um, and, and the like. They didn't have to uh, have the, you know, 20, pe 20 people max in a building. They weren't restricted to that. And so now even because churches did not take these precautions, they are now no, no longer going to be liable for their parishioners getting sick and dying. So I think that's just egregious. And that's something we, we are absolutely monitoring as well. Um, the second category is education. And there were a lot of, as I said before, Florida has a history of bad educational bills. Um, and I think a lot of the, these ones I'm gonna be discussing first, which are very good actually. And I think we need to make a point to promote the good bills and not just like fight the bad ones. We have a lot of good bills coming through. And I think these are in um, response to some of the bad bills that are coming that went through last year and also i think it was the orlando sentinel that had an amazing investigative report last year about uh private religious schools that got millions of dollars in state funding but their teachers didn't have geds the buildings were falling apart there was no curriculum uh there was abuse going on there's just no regulation over these private schools and yet they're getting all this taxpayer money and so a lot of this is in response to that so some of the ones that I, I'm very happy about are um, in the Senate is SB 600, which is um, if a private school wants to be eligible for step-up funding or state funding scholarship funding, they have to have an anti-discrimination um, policy in place. They have to do have the same policies that publics. Um, we know that a lot of religious schools that are already getting the scholarship funding do discriminate against LGBT families do is discriminate against families with single moms or you know divorced parents it's just um, another one that's in the house is educator conduct so there will be they this is putting a list of teachers of, of bad seeds pretty much across the state so if there's a teacher that's fired from a private or public school for certain reasons they're going to be on this list so you, you can check to see if your teacher is qualified or has been has had problems in the past Another one in the Senate is, is just, it's just titled education because they don't know how to title bills. This is having a minimum teacher requirement for both private and public schools. So they would have to have a bachelor's degree. Um, private schools will have to have the same state assessments as uh, public schools. Private schools will also have to allow recess, which some kids don't have recess in their, in their private schools. And, and their facilities will have to be up to code as well, which is, is in response to that Orlando Sentinel investigation. If you'll notice, those three bills don't have companion bills in the other chamber, so they're very unlikely to go through. But these two do, and they've, the next two do, and they've actually been picked up 
by committee. So they are moving forward at least. And so the first one is providing uh, menstrual hygiene products in public schools for free. This tends to be um, has been, not having um, hygiene products um, has been a barrier to education in many places, especially in lower income schools and places. So this is, I think this is a great bill that we should, we should support. And then um, this next one is requiring uh, lessons in Holocaust history and African-American history in both public and private schools. And I'm going to go into why this is really important on the next one, which are the bad education bills. The first one is um, parental bill of rights, or as a friend of mine says, the parental bill of wrongs. Um, this was extremely close to passing last year. So it's almost the same bill as last year. It passed the House. It was a few votes short in the Senate or it died in the Senate chamber at the last minute. Um, this, is, this is extremely problematic. Uh, so how it's phrased and how it's put forward is that parents should have a right to know what's going on in their child's education, what's going on in schools. That, and so a lot of the, the language is they need to, parents need to have a say in what the curriculum is going to be. They, there needs to be a process to setting up parent-teacher conference, which sounds great. I like that. Um, but then it gets a little more devious. So some of the, some of the um, issues are that a, a child, say, say it's a child with, so, sorry, back up a little bit. Um, they, one of the things is that all records related to that child must be given to the parents upon request. And you might be thinking, yeah, I want to know what my kids' grades are. I want the academic records. You already have access to that. That's not what they're going for. So say there's a child who is uh, questioning their sexuality, maybe gay, I don't know. Um, and they can't, they're, they're in a home environment where that's not uh, condoned. They may be kicked out of, kicked out of the home. They may be abused for, for their um, sexuality or, or whatever it is. And so the only person they can talk to is the school counselor. So this, there's a, there's supposed to be a private conversation between a student and a counselor. Um, but the parent can request that those records be released to them. So pretty much outing their child. Those should be private. Um, and there's a reason why this, another thing that this allows, uh, parents to do is to take their kids out of educational classes that they don't approve of. So sex ed is one, uh, I, which I mean, that's kind of across the board. We see that all over the place. People don't agree with sex ed or evolution. They can take their kids out of their science class. And, and this is where that last bill came in last year. One of the senators, I believe it was Lori Berman, asked a proponent of this bill, like, so if a parent is a Holocaust denier, are they, are, they, are they allowed to take their child out of history class? And they had to say, yes, if they're a Holocaust denier and they don't want their child learning about the Holocaust, then they can take their kid out of class. So that's where the required bill, I think, from the previous slide, the required Holocaust African-American history courses were, um, I think that's where that came from. So parental bill of rights is, a, is problematic in terms of privacy for students. The next one is uh, one of, Governor Ron DeSantis's um, legislative priorities, and this is called intellectual freedom in post-secondary education. Uh, pretty much saying that we we can't um, we're, we're not allowed to uh, censor conservative voices. And I work on a college campus. Conservative voices are not being censored. They they're 
those ideas are out there. They're just not as popular. So they're, it's kind of pushing an agenda, which I, I don't know, we can, we can go into that argument later, but it's, this is a priority for Republicans currently. Um, and finally, the last one, this is really interesting. This is kind of getting, getting a lot of buzz lately. It's called materials harmful to minors. And it's being phrased as, um, we don't want obscene materials in our classrooms and we don't want kids to find, I don't know, a Playboy magazine in the school library, I, I don't know. Um, which, I mean, I, I get, but it's very subjective in its interpretations. And so one of the, one of the analyses, the, the main analyses of these is this would make Florida an opt-in only state for sex ed. There are currently three or four states in the U.S. that have, the students have to opt in, have to parental consent in order to learn about sex ed. Utah, Nevada, Mississippi, and I think North Carolina. This would make Florida an opt-in state instead of an opt-out. If, if parents want their kids not to take sex ed, they just have to send a note saying, my, um, so that would make us opt-in only. Um, and there's also just really bizarre uh, wor wor verbiage in it. So for instance, breastfeeding is not considered obscene, but it is considered harmful to minors. So if there is a book discussing a mother breastfeeding or there's pictures of it or something that's considered harmful to minors, that is a banned, a banned book. It's just really bizarre. It's, it's going to be problematic because the interpretation for obscene and what isn't is very subjective. So this is something we are, um, so I'm gonna get out of education. And my third category is kind of like my miscellaneous social justice bills. Uh, I know we as atheists, we should, it's just, we should be fighting for church state separation. And I think that's great and that we do, but I also think we need to, um, need to stand by those who are discriminated against and, and, and stand and I don't know, church state separation is me. So, these are some interesting bills and there are some good ones, a lot, actually a lot of good ones. Um, Senator Bracey, who I had never heard of until this year, put in a ton of criminal justice bills. And I think these are, this is where our humanism really comes into play if you're, if you're a humanist. Um, so it's, they involve uh, uh, abolishing um, solitary confinement. There should be restrictions and rules on how minors can be detained, banning tear gas, Police departments aren't allowed to uh, use military surplus or buy military surplus tanks and whatnot. Um, abolishing the death penalty is one of them. Um, uh, something else. Citizen review boards should be put in place. Um, there should be special uh, special um, guidelines for for officer involved shootings that shouldn't be you know uh, investigated internally. I just, I think it's a, a really great step forward in terms of uh, relationship with. Um, there's another one that's, I think this is actually going through, it's in both House and the Senate, and it's, it's, um, it's saying that gender and gender identity are protected classes. So this would put us in line with federal statutes. So this is a good step for Florida. Uh, there's another one for the, the, um, in a, the start of a, a new office in the governor's office, the Office of Diversity, Equity, Inclusion. Um, and also a resolution, um, a Senate resolution and a House bill. I don't think they discriminate, they, they uh, dis, dis, um, dis, uh, I can't even think of the word right now. 
they delineate between the two in the House. But this is pretty much acknowledging the state's part and apologizing for the investigations into um, FAMU students here in Tallahassee that were involved in the bus, pro bus uh, protest in the 60s, as well as for the pretty much the lavender scare that occurred at, I believe it was at UF um, in the 60s as well. There was a lot of uh, gay professors at UF who were kind of just called out and humiliated and um, they lost their jobs, they lost their families, they lost everything because they were um, pretty much doxxed then. So it's just the state acknowledging that, you know, my bad. Um, there's some more good ones as well. Uh, the ratifying the ERA is up in both House and the Senate, which since 2021, it just seems bizarre that we're still working on that. Um, this next one is to put us more in line with federal statutes. So it's the repealing the Defense of Marriage Act, so marriages between one man and one woman. Even though the law of the land, gay marriages is, is totally fine, it's still in our statutes that it's, it's still one man, one woman. There's still language like that in our, in our laws. Another one is replacing Dixie Highway's name with Harriet Tubman Highway. Um, others are making Juneteenth um, a state holiday, which I think is really interesting. And finally, this last one, we actually have three Confederate holidays still on the books in Florida. They are re officially recognized as state holidays. So we have the Confederate Memorial Day, Robert E. Lee Day, and Jefferson Davis Day. So that would just take those off. Um, and there are, of course, some bad ones. And this is probably the one that people have been hearing about a lot of. And so this was, this is absolutely Governor DeSantis' legislative priority, hence the, hence the reason why it has the number one designation in the house it's hb1 and this is called combating public disorder this is in response to the black lives matter protest this past year um and i i just think that it's uh most of it is just a lot of the argument about it is it goes against our our constitutionally um and it's being phrased as people are, are rioting so much, but there is a religious exemption to it. So any um, desecration or vandalism of a religious symbol would be considered um, combating, it would be considered against this, this law. So that's something to keep in mind. Um, another one in both the House and the Senate is for the individual liberty and democracy. This is actually saying that democratic socialism is a very bad thing. It's not the true, quote unquote, true, liberty and justice that we have in the U.S., um, right to uh, believe what they want. There is an abortion bill that's coming through. Um, this is, it's, the title is terrible. It's the protection of a pain-capable unborn child from abortion. So it's a 20-week it's a abortion ban. It's also going to, there's also reporting requirements along with it that are going to require um, physicians to report uh, abort private medical info to the state, which I don't think it I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not clear on that part. There is some sort of weird reporting requirement that's going to be a huge. And this is an interesting one. Um, I think this is the last bill I'm going to talk I think I'm going to talk about. I'm sorry if I'm boring you all. But this is just called home-based business exemptions. And this is the second year in a row this has gone through. Um, the Senate version is by uh, Senator Keith Perry. He put this through last year. And so Florida legislators are against home rule. So what what home rule is is that small communities or towns or cities should be able to rule for what's best in their small towns or communities they know what's best and what is for their for their own people the state shouldn't be coming in and dictating to them what's best um and 
there were a lot of bills, like preemptive bills, going through in the past few years that want the, where the the state is trying to take over control of the of what cities and localities, well, small localities, want to do. So this is, I think, I'm kind of like, is in response to a lot of the bills that are going through that are anti-conversion therapy. Um, if you read the bill, you would never get this from it. It's it's very vague. So a lot of localities and in, in cities in Florida have put conversion therapy bans in place. And there's currently, um, they're in court fighting this now. Um, there's even a bill that's been filed in both the House and the Senate, which we can talk about later. Um, we're not, I'm not, it's very problematic in my mind. Um, but there are localities that do, do ban conversion therapy. And what this is saying, I think this is the state's way of saying that if we lose this court battle and these small towns are able to home-based businesses, which is where the majority of conversion therapy takes place in small homes, home-based businesses, they will be exempt from public, um, public law. So what groups like Equality Florida did last year when this came through is they wrote an amendment that would take away that exemption, that exception for take away uh, the conversion therapy part. So there's, there's language that, that was added to the bill that, that would protect um, those, the local ban on conversion therapy. So conversion therapy would still be bad. Um, and when, when they filed this bill again this year, they again did not include that language. So this makes me think that this isn't just like a, an innocent mistake, like, oh geez, I don't know. I don't know how this involves conversion therapy. They know and they just chose not to include that language. So this is something just to, to watch for. Um, I think most people wouldn't know that this was the one of the um, goals of this bill if they <laughs> if they weren't like really really reading a lot of stuff on it. Um, so as far as action, you guys are all I know a lot of you are very active in the political process. Um, but my 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 things here are just number one, hold your breath. We still have over a month until the start of session, and we've seen some good bills. We've also seen a lot of bad bills. There's still a lot of time for a lot of bad stuff to be filed. And it's kind of just, just hold on. It's, it, it might be, um, I'm going to recommend that everyone tracks the bills that they're interested in. Um, both the house, the Florida house and the Florida Senate have really great, shockingly great bill tracking guides. So I think the Senate version is a little bit better but you can track both house ants. But what you do is you find the bill that you're interested in, you log in, you track it, and every time something happens, like it's going to committee, it's, it's past this PMA, it's going to the next committee, you'll get emails about it. And I think it's a really great way of keeping track of most bills that are filed aren't gonna make it to committee. And that's just the way it is. So we don't need to worry about them. But once, once they do make it to committee, it, they, become, they become our problem or our, um, and when they do make it to committees, I think this is the time that we really start contacting our legislatures that are on these committees, uh, even the friendly ones. I, like I said, I was, um, I testified against the moment of silence bill on a, on a, one of the house committees last year. And I was honestly expecting the vote to be split down party lines, but there were, and cause there were a lot of progressive um, Dems, like young, really people you thought would be against this they voted for it to go through because 
why not? Like, if they just want to get out of that meeting, they want, they want to move on. Um, so you, you need to contact what you might, who you might consider a friendly as well to make sure that they know how bad this bill is or how good this one is and vote accordingly. And then finally, just talk the crap out of these. If, if, if we're not talking about what's going on in the house and what the underlying issues or what the analyses are on these bills, no one is going to know. Because they, as I said, a lot of them are just phrased very vague and like, this sounds like a really great bill. I want to protect my kids. Um, I want to know what's going on in my kid's school. But they're not so, like, there's, they're often very sinister underneath. Um, and I'm just going to go briefly on this. So American Atheists, which is I'm affiliated with and the state director for, they've, um, they've been investing a lot of time and effort into, and money into uh, grassroots uh, advocacy in the states. But it's also kind of d d draining a lot of resources that they need at the national level. And so they just started piloting this program um, and, they're, and we're one of the pilot states. It's called the State Legislative Action Teams or SLATs. Um, so we're, they're piloting it, piloting it in um, Florida, Oklahoma, and Virginia, because we have a lot of people there who are interested in politics and that want to get involved. And so we've um, identified some volunteers from across the state. So I'm, I'm the chair with um, my myself and Sarah Ray out of the Polk County Atheist are co-chairs of this. Um, we started, we assembled our team. We had a, uh, our first meeting last week. We're still trying to figure out what we're going to do. Um, it's very open and it's very, very much up to us to how we're going to proceed. But I think because a lot of the people that are involved, this is their first time doing it. They have a passion for advocacy, but they just don't know what to do. What this is going to involve this year is just learning the process and increasing engagement um, amongst the, the team members. We are in the process now of prioritizing, like picking bills that are interested of us. Obviously, the Bowman of Silence bill is up there. Um, they we want to prioritize those that affect secular people or separation of church and state, but we also want to look at those that um, that um, have some sort of discrimination discrimination against other groups, um, minority groups such as LGBTQs, or even other religious minorities. Um, we also want to prioritize good bills as well. Like not all bills are bad. Some of them really should be commended, like advocated for. And so what we plan to do is advocate for or against these chosen bills and just really spread the word about them. So if you have any questions about that, I'm happy to talk about, but we literally just started a week and a half ago. So it's very, very nascent. Um, and finally, just thank you for listening. Uh, you can, there's my email, my, my Twitter handle, you can contact me. Um, and that's, that's that. So with that, I hope, I hope I didn't talk too fast and that's, that's it. So any, any questions? I see there's some stuff in the chat. I don't, oh boy. Okay. <laughs> uh, Devin, thank you very much. And uh, as you indicated, uh, the chat room, oh boy. find some stuff and I'm sure you will. Feel free to comment. <laughs> a comment about nuns from the 50s and 60s. Yep, cheap layer. Yeah, um, as far as the educational requirements, I'm, I'm still shocked to this day that teachers at, at private schools don't have to have any. And there's no requirements. They can, anyone can just go in and be like, I'm going to go teach history today. It's like, okay, welcome. Um, some, my, my eight-year-old daughter has, some more, has more requirements than some of the teachers at these schools. So um, I see that, is it? James has his hand raised. He does indeed. 
Okay. I just want to express my appreciation uh, for your comments, well, your presentation. I thought it was very well done, required a great deal of research. Okay. And I am particularly impressed uh, with the fact that um, most left uh, thinking, free thinkers, atheists, humanists, uh, agree with you on many, most all of the, the points. We want quality education. We want mm. uh, freedom from uh, the mixing of religion with uh, government. And we want to protect children from uh, oppression and uh, brainwashing. And uh, especially, they need to have uh, comprehensive sex education, and and there needs to be protections uh, in place for them, so that the religious community cannot uh, impose uh, itself upon them. So, thank you very much. Thank you. I I, I admit that I do lean left on a lot of things, and. Most people don't. A lot of these are just my um, personal views. Again, this is not uh, um, the views of my employer or American atheist, although they, they do stand for the, the bills that I've presented. Um, we are encouraged to uh, advocate for against the bills that, uh, and usually with their, um, I think Rick um, has his hand raised. I think well. next is uh, Rick Gold. Rick? Oh, yeah. Where'd he go? Sloan the coupon is temporarily. <laughs> oh, well, I had something Rick. I wanted to. Oh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, there's, there's Rick. Uh, go ahead and, and, and speak up. Oh, we can't hear you. You're unmuted, but we can't hear you. No, we can't hear you. Sorry. Rick, Rick your mic's not working. Something isn't working. Well, well, while you're working on that, I think there's a, there's a, a mm -hmm. comment from Gus about the legislative procedure. How does an activist get to speak before a committee? or the legislature. So this is, these are weird times. And normally what happens is you just come up to Tallahassee, you go to a committee meeting or, or whatever, and then you just fill out a speaker's form, just pretty straightforward. And then they, you just go speak. Usually you have to keep, keep it one to three minutes and um, that's it. But because we're in COVID, uh, I was really, really, really hoping that because of this, uh, because of this weird time and our reliance on Zoom. Um, oh, sorry, that's my dog. Um, uh, because of the reliance on Zoom, we would be able to have people from across the state, like kind of zoom into these meetings and, and participate, which I think would be really great. I understand that there would be a lot of people across the state wanting to talk about a lot of different bills and it would take a lot of time. But it's actually, it's actually going to be a lot worse than I thought. So even us local people, so the the Capitol is shut down. It has been for months. So for Senate, if, I, if we want to speak before the Senate, we have to go to the FSU Tucker Center, which is just down the road a bit. And we have to uh, do the speaker form. And then we, uh, we, um, we just speak into a, uh, like a webcam, I guess, is how, that, is how that works. So it's a little bit disconnected. I, I really like to look in the, the senator's eyes when I'm talking and they know that a real person is there. But when it's on a on a camera, I think it's a little bit. Meh. Um, as far as the house, if you would like to speak in front of a house committee, what you can do is um, you have to 
two hours before the committee meets, there's like a lottery online. You have to uh, kind of just put your name into the lottery. You get like a ticket or something and you go to the, you have to go to the Capitol a couple hours in advance and uh, show security that you are allowed in. And then they'll let you in. They only let so many people in. But I've known people who um, are very well known at the Capitol. They are like lobbyists for big groups. They've had their little ticket. They've shown security and they're not let in. So it's still, and that's just for committee week. So it may be getting better when the real session starts, but I'm not that hopeful. Um, they're, they're really locking down of how many people. I don't think is really right, but that's that. Rick, have you gotten your... um? Yeah, let's see Rick can... No, <laughs> I still can't hear you. <laughs> not coming through. Oh, oh you're, on, you're muted right now. Judy Atkins would like to be recognized. Oh. Uh, let's, let's see if Rick... Her hand, her hand function isn't working. So right. Jim, if you would put her on your right. list. Right, uh, let's... Okay, we still don't seem to be able to hear Rick. Uh, keep on trying. That's all I can say. Well, you're now. Now you're you're muted again. Um, why don't you, Rick? Why don't you put it in the chat and we'll read it out for you. Oh, that's okay. a good idea. Um, I can't see some of the chat. Is there? Uh, is there? Who else has their hand raised? I can't. I can't uh, find Amy, this. I'm sorry. Amy has her has her hand up. Yeah. Hi. You talked earlier about um, was it Slack? You called it Slack. Or? What was it? SLAT, uh, State Legislative Action Teams, Advocacy. Yeah, Action Teams, sorry. What, what exactly would volunteers on that team do? So, we're still trying to figure it out. <laughs> so, part of the, the beauty of it is, is that we can do what we want with it. The, the, sad, the bad thing is, is that we can do what we want with it. So there's really, there's very few guidelines. Um, Right now, we're just trying to get everyone up to speed about the process. So some of these people that are, are on it um, aren't involved in, they're, they're atheists, but they're not involved in groups, which I think, I, I love pulling in people like Fresh Meat uh, to see, um, to get them involved and engaged. Um, just getting them uh, acquainted with the process. Most people have a passion for it, but they don't know how the legislative process works. And so we're, we're teaching them how to do that. We're currently choosing a couple bills that um, are of interest to us. So obviously the moment of silence is like, is number one. Um, I think the parental rights one also has a lot of implications for for us. So I think that's one we're probably going to go for. We, so we have to talk, discuss the bills. And then um, with me being the only person like in Tallahassee, I'll probably be like the boots on the ground testifying against them, but it's gonna involve like, doing some research like uh we do have the legal team at a american atheist to help us with this but um drafting drafting letters trying to get local groups and educating uh local groups and other place and um, um not just atheist and humanist groups but like you know uh like an lgbtq group or a student organization um just getting them involved and engaged in what's going on and just i think that's the point is just trying to teach people what is happening and once they know what's happening then they're a little more engaged and they want to they want to work uh, to either advocate so that's that's where it is right now as as i said uh 
we're just starting the the two groups that have start that are also piloting this program Oklahoma and Virginia their legislative session, session started a week or two ago and so um, I haven't talked to them I, I really need to to see what they're up to but I said Virginia Virginia is very lucky in that everything is the the Dems control everything and so what they're 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 this year that they're just really promoting uh the positive bills they're not advocating against anything bad they're they're they're, they're just doing that and which is really easy for, it's really great for them because they're all new i think it's a lot easier to advocate for something i so. think um uh, judy is next and followed by gus then uh Artie. um thank you Devin. i really appreciate it um i just wanted to say that we do have a list of bills we are following on our <laughs> website and we update it frequently because it changes frequently. Mm -hmm. And I am putting together a, a manual for our, our people uh, to understand how to go in and track a bill and how to um, uh, do anything, how to contact their, their uh, congressperson. Um, and uh, Rick um, Gold is asking about uh, how open are legislature, legislators to input from people outside their district? Mm -hmm. And um, they are not terribly open to it, is my understanding. You can call them, but they, you can't really, um, uh, well, maybe it's not right. Maybe I'm wrong about that. But they don't seem okay. to be all that open to me about it. You can, you can absolutely call anyone you want to. Um, yeah. <laughs> they, I mean, obviously it's best if you are, it says my internet connection is unstable. So if I, if I disappear, I'll get right back on. Um, okay. <laughs> just, <laughs> um, absolutely. You can call any legislature, email any legislator that you, that you want to. They'd love to hear from their own constituents and you have the opportunity to meet them or their staffers, especially meet the staffers. The staffers are the ones that are doing, doing the work, meet them at their local, their local to you office, not necessarily, you don't have to come to Tallahassee to meet them. Um, engage with them. I think when it comes to a direct ask, like the, like the committee thing, like I was saying, you know, this really bad bills coming to the education committee. I think sending very pointed emails and calls to everyone in that committee does make it, it does make people know that like, I may be outside your district, but this is a problem for me because of X, Y, and Z. Um, Calls, phone calls are always more impactful than emails or like those generic action alerts that you get from a lot of organizations uh, because they have to be recorded in terms of like so-and-so from the zip code called saying they are for or against this. And if you hate talking on the phone like I do, um, a, a fun tip is that you can call them after hours and it goes right to voicemail and then in the morning they have to write all that stuff down. So if you are, are anti-phone like me, that's, a, that's one way to <laughs> do it. Uh, uh, Gus, I've got mm -hmm. this. Um, as far as implementation, so that's that's part of the problem with the bill. If it was, if there were specific guidelines as to how to do it, I think that would be better. But the how it's written is something along the lines of um, teachers can have no say; they cannot tell their students how to do it. Just fine, um, but that's kind of that's kind of it. They can send a note home saying that we're doing this. Um, it has to be one to two minutes at the beginning of class, at the beginning of the school day. Um, and the, I think the problem is just um, from what we've seen in other states that have tried to do this is that this, we, it's kind of like a gateway drug. 
<laughs> like once you get this in, they kind of start doing more asks and it's more, more in infringement on like minor. So while they do say that this is explicitly secular, you, you are free to do what you want. Um, what we've seen with other places that have had to do this is that the teacher will um, say, you know, bow your heads and pray everyone, which is, I mean, that's what most religious people will do. Just like moment of silence, everybody bow your heads or close your eyes and just things, things like that, I guess. Um, so the vagueness is the part of the problem um, and kind of letting the, the do with the issue as well. I don't know if that makes sense. A lot of the um, bigger schools like the, I, I don't know what schools are in your area, sorry. Um, but a lot of like the bigger like Catholic schools are in this area like that are high performing, um, you know, to, they, they will release their stuff. They, they'll say like, we, our graduation rate is so much better than the local schools. Our kids are reading at a higher level, blah, blah, blah. And that's, that's usually what you would see for the larger places. But a lot of the small, um, the small private schools, which you may not even realize there's a private school there because it's like a little room in a strip mall. They don't, there's no requirement for them to report. There's, there's no assessment for these places. Um, I don't, I don't have the link. I, I apologize, but I really encourage you to read the, I think it was the Orlando Sentinel. Oh, maybe it was Miami. Crap. I think it was Orlando Sentinel. They did an, an amazing investigative reporting um, piece on this in this past spring or summer. Um, it may have been long. I don't know. COVID has messed with my mind. I don't, it would look it up. It was, it's, it's really good. And they, and they tell you like what's going on in these places. And we don't know because there are no requirements. Um, they, they have been the one, the one school that was a seventh day Adventist school. They recently fired is in Orlando. They recently fired their music teacher because they found out he was gay. Um, I don't think things like that should be happening especially if they're very well qualified. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's, I mean, there are, there is proof that like the, a lot of the private schools around here that, you know, uh, you know, like the Tony types, I guess you could say, they, they do do really great work and their, their schools do, their, their students do exceed um, expectations and um, they are better than public schools. But that's, that's the, I guess the minority and not necessarily, that's not. Well, I, I see that um, RDK is in some weird casino today. Oh, let's hear what he has to say. <laughs> Hi, uh, I'm the SpongeBob. <laughs> I love SpongeBob. Yeah, I have a question. Uh, do you provide us with like bullet points that when we uh, call the representative, we can focus on those bullet points, make it easier for communication or emails uh, that, you know, you, you put the point that are important and we can review and send it to the mm -hmm. Um, I don't have anything offhand, but I think what you need to, when you call a rep or their staffers, you just say your name, where they're from, where you're from, like your address or whatever, and say, I am opposed to X, Y, and Z because of this. It means to me, it, this, this is why, briefly, just keep it brief. You just need to make sure that they are recording it um, and then go from there. It doesn't have to be long. Um, when you do these action alerts like that you get from American Atheist and the FFRF and whatnot, totally, if take, an ex, take those as an example, they're written very well, but you can also customize them as well. You don't need to do the, you know, just sign your name at the bottom and hit send. You can customize them to make them a little more personal. 
and just use those as an example of how to write an email. You, you just want to make it um, to the point, um, state your purpose, why it's important to you, why it's important to your community, the implications of this bill would be so on and so forth, and then, you know, sign off. Uh, I don't have anything personally. I think Judy may have had her hand raised. Maybe she has yeah. some. Judy, well, I, I can tell you okay. that we will start, we will start sending out uh, bulletins and alerts and with a, a suggested uh, text to include in your notes or in your calls. So we do that on, and, and we are not covering as many bills as uh, Devin went over um, because we don't have the staff to do that, but we are, we will be sending those out starting very soon since they're in committees now. And also I wanted to go back, I'm sorry, uh, Rick, um, where'd he go? Rick Gold had something else to ask that I missed and that was the legislators have the right to submit only seven bills. How do we work with them to submit the good bills? <laughs> uh, I think the what you need to do here is plan way far, way far in advance. Um, so senators have no limit. They can submit as many bills as they want, but House, House of Rep, the, the House people, the, the reps are limited to seven. It was six, but now it's seven. Um, so they, they really need to be careful about what they're going to put their name on. And if you, if you want to, if you have a bill in mind that you want to give to, give to submit to a rep, I would recommend doing it the year before. You need to talk to them well in advance and get this on their, and their, on their plate. Be like, this is important. You know, this, the same spiel, uh, build a relationship with that representative. And then, you know, and, and also do, do your homework for them. If they know that this is going to be supported by so many people or whatever, uh, then they'll, um, then they're more likely to go with it. But if it's kind of like a fringe thing, they're less likely to put their name on it. So make this as, uh, I guess, appetizing for, to them as possible, but do it way, way in advance. You need to get them on, on the same page as you well before the the next session comes up because there's actually deadlines even though there's a deadline for to file a bill there are deadlines before that like i i learned this the other day <laughs> when you write a bill you send it to the drafting office the drafting office goes back and forth with you on it in terms of like the language and whatnot and there's a there's a deadline for when bills get to the drafting office which was last week um there's so much that people just don't know that if they, they're not like really engaged in this, then they're, you have no idea. So yes, plan way in it. Thanks so much. Um, no problem. Um, okay, next we have, uh, we have Scott, then Helen, then Jim Young. Is this great Scott? <laughs> great Scott. Great Scott, okay. Hey, hey, this is Hello. Scott. I was just, um, wanted to say that I keep my uh, senators on speed dial and Good. you can call them up. Uh, it's nice to have, have that, that you have a little blurb written down. Um, sometimes they'll ask your name. You don't have to give it if you don't want to. Sometimes uh -huh. I've, I've had them ask my name, my, my address and, uh, you know, some other little information and then they send me a letter about it. Um, so, and they're always, always polite, no matter how you stumble in your words, uh, 
even if you're starting to get a little angry about it, they just, <laughs> they're just polite as can be. And mm-hmm. it's not really a big deal. It's, it's That's not, all I had to say. You're, you're absolutely right. I, as I said, I'm one of those people that I hate talking on the phone. I, whenever I have to call somebody, I actually make a script out to this day because I have made so many mistakes on people's voicemails. Um, so I have a script when I do this stuff. So I think having a script is just a great idea. Yeah, it's right. just a little script um, is nice Helen to have. Is next? Is that it? Oh. Uh, next we have um, mm-hmm. uh, Helen. Always. That's a great Helen idea. Helen had her hand up a while ago. And, and Andrea, one or the other. Yeah. There we are. Can you oh. hear me? Okay. Yes. yes. Yeah. We can hear you. Yes. Yeah. This is Andrea, yeah. not Helen. Um, I was a speech therapist in special education uh, in the school district for 25 years. And to put a kid in any program, there, there has to be at least 25 pages of paperwork, a lot of it repetitious, and um, it, it, a million times calling parents in to do the slightest little thing. I was wondering if in the private religious schools, they have to adhere to the federal mandates on and paperwork. Federal, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. There, there are a lot of exemptions, uh, definitely at the state level, but I, 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 I'm not, I can't answer that because I just don't know about the federal level. I assume if they- what do, you, what do you know? What do you know about the state level? A contractor that's associated with the government. What about at the state level? They yes. don't have to have any, they can bring any. Wow. So, um, I mean, like I could, I could go in to teach speech therapy and I am not qualified. I can barely talk. So I'm not a good person to do that. Um, so yes, but at the federal, at the, as far as like a federal the compliance, I have, I'm not sure. I can't, I can't say that, but the state level, there are really no regulations. I work for the wrong, <laughs> I work for, work for the wrong agency, I guess. <laughs> I would have stayed long if it was that easy. <laughs> <laughs> is, okay, uh, is James? Next up, we have Joe, uh, Jim Young and, and then Joe okay. Reinhardt. Okay. I wanted to ask for clarification on the one bill that you mentioned in your presentation, mm-hmm. which with the respect to a public disorder uh, bill that uh, it said something about statues and mm-hmm. religion and what have you. And I, I, could you expand on that? So, because I don't really understand what is that bill trying to do? Um, it's the, the point of it is to uh, pretty much. And so there's a, there's a lot of, I obviously lean left. Um, there's a lot of, it, it stemmed from the Black Lives Matter protests from this last summer. Um, it is trying to suppress um, uh, protesting in general. And so it's it's been deemed unconstitutional by a lot of the uh, now analysts that have gone over it, but it's still able to go through and that, that then it'll be like adjudicated in court after the fact. Um, and so one of the the, there's a peaceful protest in front of the Capitol and someone comes up unrelated to your group and just starts, I don't know, destroying something. They are then able to arrest everybody that's there because that's now uh, a violent mob or something. It, it, it affects everybody that's associated with that. Um, and so 
the the part that I put there about the religious symbols, I think there's just like special exemption for religious symbols. And I, I agree that they shouldn't, you know, demolish or vandalize anything. But I just think it's bizarre that I, whenever I see the word religion put into bill text, I get like a, well, like my spidey sense goes off a little bit. Like, why is that specifically there? Like, why is that um, picked it? Like, why, why is that highlighted specifically? Um, I think there's some sort of implication that as a non-legal scholar, um, there's, there's something, there's some implication there that's I'm, I'm not aware of that I would, I personally would like more clarification on as well. Yeah, I'd like to have clarification whether or not it, it would be effective in shutting down peaceful protest. Mm -hmm. So, th and that's, and that's the example that was given is like, if, if there is a peaceful protest, like people are just sitting, holding signs or whatever, but there's a, it's associated, what they're saying is it's associated with, so someone unrelated to the group comes in and just takes, I don't know, demolishes a statue or just, you know, hits a cop or something. Like, then like, they, that it like, gives everyone the right to. Like one white supremacist, supremacist comes in to a black that's, Lives that's, Matter demonstration and then uh, let's say throws paint on something uh, to vandalize it uh, and then runs away. Then it's a public disorder. Yeah. 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 So it, and, and that's, that's just an example. It could, it can go either way. It's just that if one person's associated, if one person's doing a, is a bad seed or, you know, just a, a bad actor, it affects the entire group and the protest. And I don't know. It's the whole thing just makes my spidey sense just tingle all over. So I, what? On Artie just asked the question, would it uh, uh, make it illegal to burn a flag? It is a, it is a flag. Well, there, it could be, I, there's, I don't know. I wouldn't, I want a lawyer on this right now. Um, there, there is some weird language. It has to be like a, it has to be a permanently maintained or has the intention of being permanently maintained, I think is the, the verbiage or something. So I guess you could say there's a flag that is, it's on this, it's on the flag post and it's been there for, you know, however long it's going to, the flag post is going to remain there. If they burn that flag, that would be, yeah, that would be uh, against this law, I guess. I don't know. Again, not a legal scholar, but I do think I, I, I'm intrigued by the implications of it is where, where I'm going with it. Well, okay, let's move on here. And so we get everybody in uh, and uh, the man of infinite patience, Joe Reiner. Uh, hold on, you're not, I don't hear you yet. Oh, you're, you're muted, Joe. Okay, two quick points. Um, one is with okay. the ambiguity of the law you and Jim Young were just discussing, and that is the state uh, doesn't really care. They can arrest you, and any attorney will tell you that not to worry about it. They'll get you out if it takes 40 years. <laughs> so it has the same effect. Oh, and the sorry. other thing has to do with the, the way that the laws are written to favor religion. And the example I, I wanted to cite was Alabama, which had a uh, discrepancy about child care. If you ran a child uh, care uh, organization, you had to be certified, all kinds of standards, uh, background checks for your employees, and so on. If you ran one out of your church, uh, you could run it out of the cesspool in your basement and have it taught by Jeffrey Epstein. Didn't matter. <laughs> oh, okay. So the cost, You're right, the, cost 
for the secular provider was uh, much higher than it was for the religious pro provider. Uh, and mm -hmm. the precautions didn't exist for the latter because they were religious. Yeah. I'm done. I bet those, are, those are great points. Yeah. I, so when I, whenever I go into like the bill tracker on the Senate site, as I said, the Senate site is better than the House site. I don't know if the, it's the colors or I think, I think it's because you can access the web page and not have to download the PDF for the bill text. But I always do a search for religion, religious, church. And I think you'd be shocked at how many exemptions there are for religious entities or, you know, buildings or uh, clergy or whatever. It's, it, it is disturbing. I, I'm actually surprised there's not more, but there's just enough to make you, you know, concerned, I guess. Okay. Um, well, I, I think I will at last take my turn on, on the podium here and uh, say that I uh, okay. certainly admire your devotion to, to the cause and your stick to in going before uh, the state solemns uh, to, um, <laughs> to advocate as you do. Uh, I, I can recall that back in the late 70s as um, a, a person representing uh, the humanist of Florida, uh, I, I um, made an appointment to testify before a committee and uh, it's a good thing I was prepared to, to deal with all of the abuse that came my way. They, they didn't want to know about what we were advocating for, which was I think uh, better conditions for orange, orange grove workers, pickers, and so forth. Um, but they wanted to know all about my opinions about this Satan fellow and why did I worship him and so on and so forth. And how tasty are those kids anyway? Oh, no. Um, <laughs> but uh, well, I, I can't tell you. It was too long ago to tell you specifically, but it was certainly uh, they had little respect for a constituent who had come to, uh, to give the views of an organization that was socially concerned about a serious issue. And I certainly hope things have improved since then. Have they? I think they have. I mean, obviously atheists have like a, it's like we have the scarlet letter on us no matter what. And, and my goal is just to normalize atheism. I, I'm very out about it. Um, I, I wear my atheist, my, my bag is covered in atheist buttons. Uh, they know who I am when I walk in. Um, and I, I just make, I just make sure that they know, like we, we're not like uh, a small minority, like non-religious unaffiliated people make up 26% of religion of Florida's population alone. And they don't, that hasn't gotten through their heads yet. And I make, I make that point every time I speak in front of them. It's like, we are your constituents. You you answer to us, and I, I think that's, I think that should be included. I, uh, I believe Scott has the script. I think that should be included in every time, every time you talk to a politician. It's like we, not not just atheists, but like unaffiliated uh, people, uh, religiously unaffiliated people, make up twenty six percent of the the PRRI's most recent um, survey. And if you include religious minorities in that group, it's even higher. So making these specifically, you know, Christian biased or very, you know, right-wing biased laws that are favoring a religion, one religion over the other is, is kind of going against everything. 
is it's kind of going against a, a significant portion of your constituency. So always make that point. I think it's really, really important to keep on saying that over and over again. And, you know, make sure you say, I'm with the atheist of Florida, I am with the humanist of whatever, um, et cetera. So I, I've never had anyone a attack me per se, like like you had, <laughs> you had at the yeah. committee meetings. No one's ever like really talked back. Those are primitive times. But <laughs> Evidently, you're frozen. <laughs> yes, I think we lost her. <laughs> oh, that am I back? She, here she is. Okay. She's back. Oh, am I back? Yeah, you're back. Okay. I'm back. Okay. What was that? I, I missed that. Lost in the uh, ether here. Yeah. It, it wasn't anything, I don't think. Um, yeah. Well, we're getting close to time for us okay. to close down. Uh, are there any other questions that anyone has before we leave? But I, there she's from. I'm frozen again. Any other questions before we close down for the evening? Take take advantage. We have an expert here. Yeah, I'm always happy to come back. You can Good. yell at me solve. You, <laughs> you will be invited. You are invited. Oh, yes. Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah um, I think I think once I the think session gets started, there's gonna be a lot more fun stuff coming through. And so I yeah. I, I, I love love this stuff. I I'm not very good at it, but I'm just one. You did a very good job of and it's very <laughs> Uh, what I do now. Rick O'Keefe just said it was a very valuable, uh, very valuable yeah. information. Thank you. Yes. I know I well, enjoyed it very, a great deal. Thank, thank you, you so very much. much.